Hello, uh, it's Bookish Talk, uh, the shorter version of Pipe Gaining's podcast. Uh, uh, we have uh, uh, Laurie Sauer as a guest today uh, once again, and we return to Laurie to talk about uh, some other projects, uh, not some other, but another projects he she she's a part of, uh, Binding Redefined. Uh, and uh, hi, Laurie. Hello. Uh, hi, Pavel. As usual, my co-host joins us from Moscow. I'm Stepan. And uh, uh, Lori, could you please tell us about this uh, Binding Redefined? What it is? Is it, I don't know, is it a project? Is it an initiative? What? What? How? How would okay. you describe it? <laughs> okay. Um, about um, I used to teach quite a lot at a um, residential adult education college, and I taught basic bookbinding but I also started teaching structures there. Um, and how, how many years ago was that? This was, oh gosh, I started teaching there in 1996. And then, and then through, um, through the, like from 2004, 2005, I suppose I, I you know, they, they were happy for me to add these different different kind of courses there was somebody else there was kind of doing the, the traditional stuff and I branched out and I started doing these these other ones um, for various reasons about 2010 I decided that the the venue wasn't really working uh, and I thought well why don't I just kind of branch out and do them on my own off my own back <laughs> yeah so um I set up Binding Redefined. Our first year, I think, was 2011. And I did quite a lot initially with, with Benjamin Eldolf. He was recently in the UK, and we both had the same interest in the structures. So he did quite a few of, of the workshops, and a Swedish um, bookmaker artist, Monica Langway, she also came a few times. And did historical structures because she studied a lot of the books in the in the Vatican and how they're sewn and all of that. And then we, it, we hope we hope to see Monica uh, one day uh, as okay. a guest on our podcast. We will we had Ben, ben uh, as a first guest on oh, our podcast. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So it it gradually with um, with Maria um, Wilgenkamp, who is Benjamin's mother-in-law. I met kind of similar time to, to Benjamin. Um, she also has an interest in the same thing. And she was doing a lot of teaching from her place. And we, we started talking a lot about various tutors to come to do classes of who we liked. And so we often share tutors and we've had one or two from the States come and we've shared the expenses of getting them here because they come here to the UK and then they have to go to the Netherlands. and, and and do her classes as well. So we, we, we kind of semi-collaborate, but we don't really get in each other's way about who we invite or anything. So you'll see the same people at her place and my place and some that are in, in Italy with um, Christina, uh, some of the things that she's done. And her surname is so long that I'm not even gonna attempt it. <laughs> um, so that's how it, it came about and just gradually, inviting people. Um, the response was very good. I started off um, 
working out of a village hall in the next village, which isn't ideal. I mean, the space is okay, but the table height's not so good and there's no storage, so I have to haul everything down there. And then I moved from there. Um, I'm just down the road from Shepherd's um, Country Bindery. So I started renting their bindery and I did the classes in there for a while. And then a few years ago, I moved house. And one of the main things was I was going to have a purpose-built bindery. And then three years ago, I, I started running them from, from home, my own studio. So that's kind of the progression of, of where Binding Redefined has happened. And the tutor um, list has expanded. Um, there are probably other people you have talked to or will talk to, um, mainly Europeans. I've had three, three Americans over to teach. That's always tricky because of the expense flights, yeah. unless they're gonna be here anyway, which one of them, she's just here anyway, so I don't have to do travel expenses, which is really good. Um, and there's no, I don't have sponsorship. I don't have anybody backing me. It's all self-funded. So I charge what I need to in order to pay the tutors decently, pay their travel expenses and make a little bit on top. And that's it. Um, and it's, it's been wonderful. I've met some fantastic people and it's really expanded my knowledge of what's going on. And it gives you further contacts as well, you know, their contacts. So it's kind of like a chain of people and have you heard of them and them. And, um, and it's kind of my mission, I suppose, of wanting to introduce structures, but also that in, in spite of the fact that institutions have closed down in the UK who teach bookbinding, there's lots of small places and um, individuals who start, started teaching and you get, you get a circuit of the same teachers. It's the usual suspects in the UK who are doing all of the workshops and they're dotted around in England and, and Scotland and Wales. And I just thought, I want to have, you know, a different way of thinking come in. So the Europeans have been terrific just to give that extra input into what you can do with books and what they're doing with books that isn't the same as what's going on here in the UK. So that, that's, that's the philosophy behind it, is just to bring fresh new ideas in with people who are experimenting and um, they don't always have a high profile, uh, doesn't matter what they're doing. So I keep an eye out on people um, and watch them. And when I go to conferences or I look at the exhibitions at conferences and if there are books there that look really interesting, then I'll get in touch with the, the maker and ask them if they're interested to come and teach. And so, yeah. yeah I guess I guess this is this is very important to uh, not not be limited by uh, uh, your own local traditions and techniques. And uh, this is something we discussed with uh, Peter Garrity some time ago. That uh, he he talked about his early early years. Uh, that he used every opportunity, every workshop, every visiting bookbinder. He tried to get to this uh, uh, workshop or lecture or something and to understand how different traditions from different regions work and how he, how can he implement these ideas in his work. And uh, well, I guess it's it's really important to be this open-minded in this way mm -hmm. and try to improve your craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a, a lot of the things, there's, they're so unique and so specialized that you think, Am I ever going to use this again? 
but then I feel, well, it's all just a little bit more knowledge to put into your head. And at some point you'll remember and you'll think, ah, there's a solution that I can work around and, and apply these techniques and then combining them as well is very interesting. I was wondering who your uh, target audience was for this uh, project, because some of the structures I saw on your uh, website were rather peculiar. At the moment, I'm looking at this wonderful scroll in a box uh, uh, at what looks uh, like uh, an Ethiopian uh, uh, healing scroll. So yeah. who, who would make something like that i can't see museums making those kind of it, things yeah it would be conservators because um so here's my my box from that class i think this is a lovely thing and oops it's just falling apart um so it opens up oh uh the scroll has gone i have to remember how to stand it up So um, Claudia, who developed this, is a uh, we can't, in, in we can't, you can't we see can't. anything. Yeah, um, yeah. So she, in working in her archives, and when they had displays in in the um, library open to the public, it's how do you how do you display the scrolls um, so that people don't have to touch them. But that you can, there's a, a system here that you can use. It's like little rollers that rolls through so you can read what's on here. Uh, there we go. And it happens to be an Ethiopian scroll, um, referenced back to my book, Rubaini. Um, and so this is what she worked on for quite a while to, to develop, because um, it's, it's storage as well as display all in one. It's a really fascinating um, thing. And you learn a lot about box making in the process, accuracy, cutting, all of that kind of thing comes into it, which is good for all of the other stuff you do. And so I think it would, I'm gonna put this down now. I think it would be something that um, conservators can adopt. And she has done, she's, she does papers on, you know, for the conservation groups and so she's got an audience there that she can um, promote this to. It's out of the bookbinding world, it's in the conservation world. And scrolls have been a rather hot topic uh, recently in, uh, in uh, collector's world. I, so it, it, it could be uh, interesting to collectors as well. It could, and, and then I always come back into the students, I say it's an amazing way if you're a book artist to make a different format rather than always making Coptics or concertinas or something, make a scroll, you know, with, with your drawings and put it in this fantastic box. This sort of uh, uh, leads to, to another question I wanted to ask you. You talked about uh, looking for different structures and different techniques from people uh, from, from other regions uh, uh, besides uh, Great Britain. Uh, but uh, uh, I understand that your project is also about innovation. And this is something we talked a lot about uh, uh, with uh, Ben Elbel, and he's a great uh, fan of uh, innovating uh, and creating new new structures in the, in bookbindings. So how, how did this work for you? And uh... There's a few that I've done as well. Um, I've got, 
This one, which I developed, that I call the Pompidou, only because all of the things show on the outside, like the Pompidou mm -hmm. Center in Paris. <laughs> so I named it after a bit of architecture. And it's, it's basically, it's a, uh, the hollow, these, these bits here are, are the hollow. They're not a spine on top of a hollow. So they all, they all come out and it looks kind of like a cross structure, but it's not similar at all because you sew up the text block as, as normal without cover. And then you make, um, a hollow with extensions with tab extensions that then fold back on themselves and that creates the the hollow and then the bit fold back go in which i showed you here and um hold the book together and and again it's it's trying to get books that open flat this one's a little tighter than some um but that has uh that the structure of it actually forms the design that's what you have to work with, how they talk together so that, the, yeah, it dictates what you do for the design, the structure. And the other thing that I, I did some work for, um, it wasn't for Tomorrow's Past, which you know about, um, but um, Shun Everard, who was a member of Tomorrow's Past, was kind of doing her own thing in Paris and inviting other binders who she'd like to exhibit in Paris. And she invited me for quite a few years and so I really like the challenge of making something that has conservation in mind and that you're not interfering with the text block. So it can, it can be repaired easily um, and you don't use very much glue. So it's like a minimal interference glue. Sewing is allowed <laughs> and, the rest, and the rest works with with how things kind of slot together and fit, but still make it really strong. So this is this is one that I call the removable case that I developed. Um, I did a large one on an on an atlas, an old atlas antiquarian book. Um, that when you have maps, it's like okay, if I want to repair a map or remove a map or add a map, how can you do it? If you bind it into a book, you you can't. Yep. Yep. So I developed this structure um, that's made on a stub because I've done quite a lot of stub work as well, which I really like. And so each section has has its own has its own little stub. And the case has been developed so that again I've got straps that um, weave in to the joint. The the um, space between the stub and the text block and so those come out and they have little alternate notches on the back so you can open them up <laughs> that's, and you, that's interesting <laughs> and then you pull that through yeah you pull it out and then the sections fall out of the book <laughs> that's beautiful so um, I think it has it has some legs to run on this one. 
it worked really well as as a as a conservation piece for particular texts. Not I, I I really I really like this approach. What I know uh, what is particularly close to my heart is noble structures that solve a particular problem, because yeah. despite being almost two thousand years old, uh, Codex still has some unsolved problems. And uh, particularly for big, uh, for big books, for, uh, for, for, uh, for maps, for, 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 uh, for music notations, if you want to change something, it's still a problem. This, yeah. is, this, is, really, this is really beautiful. Thank you for showing yeah. me. Yeah, no, it solves that problem. And, you know, I've taught this a few times and people like it. I don't know if they've ever gone on to, to use it themselves. Don't know. But why not? You know, I've, I've, I've done it for a proper binding that I sold. Um, and then I've made loads and loads of models. It took me a long time to develop the case itself and the hinging and what you see on the outside and the inside and to cover everything up the right way. So it, it was it was very fiddly there with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess it, it needed a lot of testing to, to be done Lots before it works yes. uh, perfectly. You do needed loads of tests as well to make that work properly. Yeah, so those those are, um, yeah, there's one other that I've done that's uh, the sewn board binding, which I really love as a structure. And I've used that on fine bindings quite a lot and, and with vellum, in vellum. Um, people kind of, when it first came on the scene, thought, it, oh, it's, it's kind of a simple, easy way to put something together. But I, I you know, you just take it to a different level, really. And then I, then I went from that and because I don't always like a flat spine. So I figured out a way to, to give it a rounded spine with a piece of wood back. This, this sun is not great. Um, and then how you attach the wood to the text block and to the sewn board aspect of it. So yeah, and, and that's taken a lot of of samples and models to work that one out as well to do it to yeah so that's and when, and when you say a lot how many iterations do you uh, go through i have boxes full of these <laughs> that i make one and another and another and another and, <laughs> and over over a long period you know a year or two i suppose i play with it but i haven't done anything recently on the innovation side i i still think um, and I, I suppose it, it reflects back, the innovation reflects back into more of my, the, the fine bindings that I do of always trying to invent something within the, the traditional structure that's, I sneak it in there. And it doesn't matter to me if, if it's visible or not, or if somebody knows it's, it's, it's my own secret. Well, and also if it serves its purpose and if it's, it, it fixes something and, uh, or, or makes some structures better for some uses, well, yeah, then it, sh it maybe shouldn't be visible. <laughs> it doesn't have to be visible. It has to work and it has to serve its purpose. Hmm. Well, what is it that it's, they say about, you know, you do something very complicated, but then it looks so simple and that's yeah. kind of what what you aim for is just to keep refining it down to make it look so obvious and so simple but it's boy it's taken a long time to get there was there some aspect of uh, bindings that you've 
tried to improve on or solve and failed? Um, no, I start from scratch. <laughs> I think so. Or if there's something that I don't like about a particular style, then yeah, I might adapt something else, but I'm not, I'm not trying to improve on that one because the basic book functions really well as it is, you know, it's, it's had centuries of testing in it and it works. And so there's always that question of, well, why bother to keep playing around with it? But that's what people do. And what about oriental structures? I, I avoid them because they don't open well. Stab bindings. I just, you know, they can look terrific. Students love them. Um, they've got their place. If, if you use the materials that are used, oriental styles with, are, are you talking about stab bindings rather than Middle Easter bindings for well, oriental? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess I guess Bible um, meant step bindings in the first place. Yeah, um, you know they have a different kind of paper they use, so it, it it flows better when you open the book as opposed to what people make them from here, which is more of a Western paper. So they have their place, but I like books that open flat. I'm I'm just a convert to that, and so I I avoid anything that doesn't, and I've stopped teaching it as well because there. Are, hundreds of tutorials online about how to make Japanese bindings. Yeah, yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> they can do that. So what, what are your plans for uh, Binding Redefined uh, in the post-COVID era? I hope uh, everything will open up pretty soon. And uh, what, what are the first steps you take? And uh... Well, last year was canceled. Yeah. This year I've canceled four already. My next one scheduled is July with Suzanne Schmolberger. Um, and uh, it depends on whether, you know, you're able to travel between um, Switzerland and the UK easily without yeah. tests and quarantines and all that kind of stuff. We'll just have to wait and see. I keep rescheduling the ones that the last year's ones got put up to this year. The ones that were canceled last year, I've canceled again a couple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I've already rescheduled two of them for 2022. Um, and that's all I think I can do. It's, it's very disappointing. Um, I have a lot of people who come from overseas, my students. You know, it's, it's not so much UK people. So that really affects it as well. If they're gonna feel okay about traveling and the restrictions they'll have from where they're coming from. And yeah. So it's a known, it's a known unknown, one yeah. of those things. So that's all I can do. That that's I, I'm just carrying on and planning, and I don't have to recruit too many new tutors because I'm just rescheduling the ones who've been cancelled. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. At, at least at least they have all the same problems. All their uh, classes are also being rescheduled and all, all their plans as well. So uh, at least it's not like uh, you have to, you know, rearrange everything. It's just, well, everything is postponed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I know that some people said, can't you do them online? And I said, well, I'm not teaching it. It's somebody from another country teaching it. So if they want to do it online, then that's kind of, them to yeah. set up and do because yeah. I don't need to be the middleman for something like that and so far they have I know that that Maria 
um, in the Netherlands. She's she's done Dario Zaruto, I think, online. Good. I hope I hope it works out okay. <laughs> but he's he's just mad with his paper folding. I don't know how you do that online, but no, <laughs> seems to work. <laughs> Well, on one hand, I'm happy when I see new courses uh, popping up online and, uh, uh, well, especially now when people cannot go anywhere, uh, they at least have some options uh, to uh, to learn new techniques. Uh, but on, on the other hand, as we discussed with uh, uh, Dimitris uh, of, uh, from uh, Bookbinder from Greece uh, in, in the first episode of this, uh, in the first podcast of this year, uh, he doesn't want to, to teach online because he's sure that he wants to have this feeling of, uh, of the objects being made and to, to, to touch the books that uh, his students are making and to have this much closer connection that is completely impossible when you are teaching online. So there are these two opposing uh, points of view and uh, both are absolutely valid. So, uh, yeah, it's everyone's choice. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's that's my my rundown. I think um, I have some other structures from some other tutors. Mm -hmm. uh, that, was, that would be interesting to see. Too. Well, if yeah, if you can show us. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got um, this one, which is Kylene Ackerman, who who lives in Switzerland as well, and she teaches quite a lot at Escona now, and she she worked with Daniel Kelm in the U.S. Um, for eight years. In fact, I should show you Daniel's book first, because he came he came and taught his his rods and sewing sewing on rods. Yeah, we we, rec we recorded an episode with Daniel a couple of weeks ago, so it will yeah. be uh, it will be published, I guess, uh, in April or May. I'm not sure yet. But yeah. What you, you had an interview with him. Uh, yeah, we had an interview with him and he, he showed some of his structures and experiments and yeah, it was absolutely amazing. It is. And, and I was really pleased to have him come and do, and do this one of his here. Um, and it's made with um, metal boards. Yeah. So nice and minimal and slick and just, it, it is what it is, you know, it's not pretending to be something else. And so Colleen worked with him and so she's quite influenced in his, his structure work. And what she has wanted to do and has been working on is um, having a split spine. And this is her, her development there, here with the split spine. And again, the structure dictates the aesthetics of the whole thing. And it's, it's on um, rods as well. There are, there are brass, oh, those are aluminum rods down the middle of each section. And then they're woven together, and these black bits are bits of ribbon um, that connect everything, and then with the spine that splits. And she's done experiments with asymmetrical splits as well, so it's not right down the middle. And these these are lovely; they open really flat. It it starts to look almost like uh, some sort of kinetic uh, sculpture or something like mm. that. Mm. Yeah, uh, but what what would be the reasoning for having a split spine? Besides um, besides visual aspects, I'm trying to think back. What this is when it's difficult to speak on behalf of somebody else. Um, so when when you open it, it does that. So you get yeah. a small 
like a little platform. Yeah, yeah. I think again, it's a curiosity about about mechanics and structure. And if the spine was in one piece, it's it's either going to curve or fold or crumple or something. Um, and and this just gives it an easier way for the spine collapses on itself and goes out of the way. It just removes itself from any any sort of stress. And there's something else I, I can't remember off the top of my head that she's trying to work on as well. Um, so she's innovating stuff and she makes really beautiful boxes. A, the, like Daniel's did, of just really asymmetrical and geometric and they all have little magnets in them and they flip open different ways. And so she does that and that's nice. And then um, Nadine Werner yeah. from Germany, she's yeah. been, and she has her Steckel album which again is, is sewn on, it has rods down the back and it, it opens beautifully flat. Yeah, so this, this is nice and it's a variation and I know that Nadine and Kylie met long time ago. They were doing a course together at Ascona students and they were both kind of developing very similar structures. So that's why some of their stuff crosses over. Yeah, so you, like you, you told earlier that uh, for you, uh, this uh, whole binding redefined uh, project was, uh, uh, was a way to uh, connect with different people and to, uh, to, you know, to widen uh, the, uh, I forgot the word. Well, yeah, connect with, with more more yeah. different interesting people. And it, it really resonated with me because this is uh, something that we feel uh, uh, happens with us, with our podcast, because it's, it allows mm -hmm. us to, you know, to see the wider world, to talk to different, absolutely different uh, uh, people. And uh, not only bookbinders, because we also invite, uh, uh, I don't know, conservators, uh, uh, paper makers and other people. But uh, it's absolutely amazing to have this opportunity. And, uh, yeah, you, you must you've got just a great network going there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and you you were you were uh, uh talking about different book binders now and I, I was sort of making a checklist okay we need to reach out to this person to this person to this person and to invite to future episodes of our podcast and, and i was uh, thinking about how interconnected uh, uh your world is which we are, we are now privileged to be a small part of, how everyone knows, uh, uh, well, not everyone, but there's like two, uh, two handshakes from any of our exactly. guests. Any yeah. other. It'll also, the, the dots will just eventually join up yeah. with people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that person knows that person and that person, oh, you know them and yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, this is really amazing. It's great. It's good, and that's what keeps me kind of interested and excited about about making books. is is just the the energy behind the innovations. Really, I think more than than churning out design bindings. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is really nice. Yeah, I'm not churning them out. That's the wrong word, but it's it's not the road that I necessarily want to follow completely all the time. Of, that end of it. I, I really hope that uh, that uh, all this uh, COVID situation will uh, finally resolve uh, uh, later this year, and uh, your classes will start again, and other things as well. And for well, not only for you, not only for us, but for for other people as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we we are now in the, in the in the 
we have to move to to France uh, uh, in April, and it's really bizarre because uh, well, there are so many things that are absolutely different because of the lockdowns and quarantines, and uh, it's a really strange time to 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 move countries now. <laughs> move, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so where are you now? Are you uh, near Leiden still? Yeah, I'm. I'm still in Leiden. Okay, you're in Leiden. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, I mean, having that cancelled was awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was oh. so upset that, uh, well, there were, uh, after we moved to, to the Netherlands, uh, uh, I started to take part uh, both in the book, uh, uh, book binding fair in uh, St. Nicholas in Belgium and uh, in uh, book Kunstburst, yeah, uh, book arts fair in, in, in Leiden. And yeah. it was an absolutely amazing experience uh, in both these this locations. They're absolutely different. And, but I, I, I got so many nice impressions and connections and talks out of these uh, two events and uh, last year they were cancelled this year they are also cancelled so uh yeah it's it's really upsetting have and, they cancelled uh, has Leiden cancelled for november because I, I think I they i think they moved it to to the next year as well. okay well, I'm, I, I'm i'm not sure i need to check but yeah they uh, of course uh, saint nicholas fair is, is cancelled and uh, they tried to move it to to the end of the year but it wasn't possible and uh uh, yeah, it, they, they moved it to next year, so. Yes, and that's one of the things that having, having these international fairs, I think are so valuable. And there's probably a handful of people in the UK who even know about them mm -hmm. or have been. And the, when I met you, whenever it was a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. um, that was a class visit because I also run a, a, an open studio class throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And we all, and every year we have a class visit and we'll visit a conservation place or a library or a printers or somebody. And the class visit that year was Leiden. Yeah. yeah. And there were six of them. Lucky. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there were six yeah. of them who went and they loved it. They just thought it was the most eye-opening thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't help that uh, uh, UK has uh, has a very very strong bookbinding tradition, and there are so many things happening in in the UK. So you you sort of do not even need to go outside, <laughs> but well, but you, but you need to because this way you will get uh, so much more inspiration and ideas and uh, connections. You, you do and you don't exactly. It's 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 kind of like a closed shop, and this is what we do here and. And I just think, oh, but there's all this other stuff going on that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And it's probably because I grew up in the States that I just have a maybe more of an international outlook on sharing ideas and all of that. Well, yeah, this definitely helps. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. That 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 was uh, that was inspiring, and uh, there there were some really strange and interesting structures <laughs> among the ones you showed us. <laughs> so yeah, we hope we hope. Oh well, well, you yeah. know, I could I could pull out more, but I won't. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe next time, yeah. <laughs> maybe next time. Maybe maybe when you when when the classes start start over again, uh, we will invite you once more, and you will talk a bit about uh, your future oh, classes. Oh, maybe when one of the tutors is here or something, that might be interesting. Oh yeah, that would be just perfect. Yeah, to to invite more people. Yeah, because I've got new tutors at the end of this year who I've not met before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's all going to be yeah. Yeah, because that's that's also an interesting perspective uh, uh, from the people who teach these structures. Uh, well, you also teach the structure, but to have some more people <laughs> to talk about it and uh, share their experiences. Yeah. 
So, yeah. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And as usual, uh, thanks a lot to our uh, viewers, to all the members of our community, and a special thanks to our uh, patrons on Patreon who support us with their money and uh, help us to make uh, this podcast real and to pay for editing of the podcast. Uh, we are editing um, French and Spanish versions of our podcasts uh, uh, pretty soon, so uh, it will depend a bit more money uh, to be spent on editing and probably on translation of, of these videos to uh, make them available for, for a wider audience. So if you are considering uh, uh, becoming a patron of Binding, please use the link below. We appreciate every, uh, every new dollar or euro or pound that comes uh, uh, for, towards this project. Uh, so thank you everyone and thank you Lori for your story and uh, for showing us uh, this, all these different structures. And I hope you see, I hope to see you next time on our podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.